Good evening and welcome back to our study in the Gospel of John. Thank you so much for joining us. And Mark, good to see you as always. It's good to be here this evening. Doing okay? Family doing all right? I'm doing well. Good to see you back. Yeah, good to be Short back. Short absence. Yeah, and uh, so it's 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 one of those situations where trying to get around visiting some places. So uh, down with the Saints in Valrico uh, this week, hanging out with Shane Scott and the family in Christ down there, and seeing some of our students uh, who are down there uh, for uh, college. So a good week, good week indeed. We're in the Gospel of John, and we're still in John chapter nine. Forgive us for. Moving a little slow here, but we thought it would be good to spend a little more time with this miracle. Uh, certainly one of those miracles in which our Lord really set out in front of the people. They've been asking for a sign. Show us a sign. Show us a sign. Well, here he does. He does just what everybody's asking for. The sign, the healing in John 9. Hopefully you've had time to read this because we're going to spend the next few minutes just discussing this wonderful miracle. And this is one of the miracles, Mark, in which the Lord tells us, here's exactly the message in the sign. And you see that at the end of the chapter, uh, our Lord didn't just share this powerful miracle healing the blind man. There was an even more powerful, if you will, message in this sign. But before we get there, here's the way it opens. It opens with a big question from our Lord's disciples. Rabbi, they say, who sinned, this man or his parents? Whose fault is it that he was born blind? I'm amazed that they bring that up here. I'm wondering if they've ever brought that up to him before. We're in the third year of his ministry. Mm -hmm. And what would be in particular with him uh, that they would want to ask that question now? They, they've seen other People who have been ill, lame, and whatever. But I'm guessing it was because he was born this way. So it would be interesting um, when they say, was he born blind? Then they're saying <laughs> that this is original sin, that he was born. Yeah, how, how, sin. Else, how else, how could, else could it be? Yeah, yeah. So did his parents sin? And this is now being passed on uh, to this young man. I'm calling him young, and I do that for a number of reasons. His parents are still alive, and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. But being born blind. Now, Ezekiel tells us that that's not the case. Sure. Uh, and sure. I, I'm surprised that his apostles would be holding that kind of, uh, of an opinion, but it may be. I'm guessing that the people of this time, I know that the people sure. of this time had that opinion. And maybe it was from sin. looking at the words of David, yeah. the idea of you know, being conceived in sin. But at the same time, you're, you're finding that they do just like us. There's some calamity here. There's an issue here. Whose fault is it? Yes. Whose fault is it? Why is this happening? Now, Jesus... Jesus will actually answer the question, but he says, it's not the man. It's not his parents. This is here to give glory to God. To God. To, to, for me to do the works of God, uh, this has happened. I, I, I don't think that he was necessarily picked out. It's happened in life. Uh, and so there are calamities. There are things that happen to people uh, naturally. And we have a natural situation here. But now I can use this to the glory of God. And I am, I got to do his works while I'm still here. I am the light of 
the world. And so he's telling us right up front why he's going to heal this man. Well, and what's also interesting, if you jump to the book of Acts and, and when you get over and you see that the first century Christians are enduring so much challenges, so much calamity in their life and, and not, just, not just persecution, but even natural disasters, they never look for who's the cause or how can I change the earthly predicament we're in. In every situation, they say, okay, how can we use this? To give glory to God. How do we use this calamity to show our love for the Lord and to give him glory? And to me, that's what Jesus is saying here. It's not necessarily that God forced this upon this man or we can blame anybody else. But let's just look at how we can use the human predicament to give glory to God. And so Jesus says, and what he does is he actually repeats something that he's already shared yeah. in John 8. And bear in mind, John 8 and 9 go together. We're still in the same scene, okay? It's still the same day taking place. Jesus reminds them, I am in the world and I am the light of the world. And he will spit on the ground and, and make mud and put it in the man's eyes, and which was an extremely, unusual means of healing. This is something that is never done in scripture. You never see another miraculous healing take place like this. But Jesus expects something from the man. Is there something in that there? I think that there is. I think his faith is being somewhat tested. As I think about this man, we're going to find out that he calls him Jesus. So what does he know about Jesus? Uh, was Jesus just walking by and his apostles say, you're blind, here's Jesus, maybe he can do something for you. Uh, and they tell him his name at this moment. I don't believe that. We're in Jerusalem. Everybody in Jerusalem knows Jesus by this time. And I think even he, being blind, has heard about Jesus. And so here he is in front of him and has there been any communication between these two? He's talked about this, turns to him, puts spit and clay mm -hmm. uh, on his eyes and say, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Now, what level of faith does this young man have? I think he's, there may be a little bit of a test there, but I, I think it's bringing attention to this whole situation. And so he goes and does what the Lord tells him to do. Now, the pool of Siloam is right there at the base of the temple. It's, right. it, it, he it's not have that to go, far. He doesn't have to go far. So he had to, to go across this. town. That's but, right. But he still had to go. But he had to go. And he had to go wash his eyes. I'm reminded of the lepers. You might remember the ten lepers who were healed. And Jesus tells them, go show yourselves to the priest. Something was expected of them. And so I think what the Lord is showing us through this man is this man is going to have mustard seed faith. Yes. This is just a little bit of faith that's going to lead to something grand. Now... When he washes, he's clearly able to see. Quickly. 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 And oh, the excitement for him uh, to be able to see. And this is where the controversy begins. And his excitement is tempered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, extremely tempered. I, if I had not seen for X number of years, never yes. having seen, never having seen, and suddenly I'm seeing, you can imagine the excitement of this young man. And what does he do? What does he do? He goes back home. He goes back home. And it says his neighbors. And now we had controversy with the neighbors. Now I'm going to guess that these neighbors 
were of the Jewish ilk and very likely Pharisaic uh, in their sense because they're suddenly beginning to question him and is this the guy? He looks like him, uh, but he's singing. I can't be him. Well, others are saying, well, it has to be him. He's identical to him. Yeah. And so there's questioning going on here about yeah. his healing. Well, you get, the, you get the assumption this guy lived in Jerusalem because his parents are yes. going to be accessible also to the leaders. But, but the thing is, it starts, it starts the big controversy. Yes. And, and that's exactly what Jesus wanted. Exactly. He, he heals this man, almost heals him in a way that is almost inconspicuous to everybody but this guy. You know, he just kind of did this act and this guy goes and washes. All of a sudden, this guy can see. Everybody knows he's a beggar. Everybody's seen blind. Now he's alive. And so here's the question. How'd this happen? Yes. How'd this happen? And, and beginning with the neighbors... And then with the Pharisees and the parents and through the remainder of the chapter, the question is going to be said over and over again, how did this happen? Yes. How did this happen? And the man's going to say, I don't know. It's at least three times this question yeah. is asked. He goes, I don't know how it happened, but I know who, who, did it? who did it. And so if the controversy wasn't enough, okay, how did this happen? The neighbors are trying to figure out. His friends trying to figure it out. In verse 13... Jesus stirs the pot even more by not just healing this man in kind of an inconspicuous way. He did it on the Sabbath. So now the Pharisees are involved and the scuttlebutt starting around town. It could have been Jesus. Maybe it was Jesus. Well, no, they say, wait, if Jesus is a rabbi, why would he do it on the Sabbath? And why is that such a big deal? Now, we are in the third year. Keep understanding this. How many times now has Jesus done something on the Sabbath? And back in John 5, it was on the Sabbath. Right. And this is just a year ago. It's very likely the same Pharisee people uh, who are asking this very same question again. And I, he does it on purpose. Yes. I truly believe that Jesus is doing some of these things just to... I don't know if it's antagonized, maybe. Yes. But, oh, I think it is. I think Jesus knows exactly what he's doing because he's stirring the pot here. But he he is going to continue to hammer this home that you're putting too much emphasis on the Sabbath. It's just a reflection. It's a microcosm of your faith, of you being into the law, too much into the law and not into the heart of the law. Exactly. And, and, and I think uh, if we could just stop for a moment and make application to our lives, isn't it very easy for us sometimes to put emphasis on the wrong laws? And here's what I mean by that. The Sabbath became such a big deal and became so respected to the extent that it was given precedence over many of the other laws. Instead of being happy for this man that he can now see and rejoicing for the fact that someone healed him or restored his sight, the issue becomes, yeah, but you, you shouldn't have done it on the Sabbath yes. or you violated one of our laws. We don't do that on the Sabbath and therefore leave the guy blind yes. instead of caring for him. Yes. And I think an application for all of us in this is... We got to be careful that we bind some things to the extent that they become 
Well, they become elevated to the point that the law that we've now jumped into or established is now preventing the care of others. Paul tells us that tradition is good, Mm -hmm. but he defines those traditions by saying, follow those traditions that I have done, which I have gotten from the Lord. There's a lot of things that we continue to do traditionally, which we should do. Sure. The the Lord's Supper on the first day of the week. Uh, And we can continue down that line. But then there are other things that we do traditionally uh, that we say, well, if we don't do those anymore, maybe we're sinning or maybe we're, we're wrong. Right. And then it's because a tradition has been formed by man which is okay. The tradition in and of itself is not wrong, but if you bind it as law, then that's when we get to be in the situation that we may begin to behave like Pharisees. And, and the thing is, there was in the old law, you care for the helpless, you care for the needy, you care for those who are downtrodden, you care for them. And unfortunately, their affection for the law regarding the Sabbath trumped the care of those in need. And I think that's exactly what Jesus is doing here. He is stirring the pot and he's he's pushing them in that direction because ultimately this miracle is about, are you able to see clearly? Can you see the law clearly? Can you see me clearly? Now, we mentioned a moment ago how many times the question, well, how did this happen, is asked. You'll notice in verse 9, the first time it's asked of the man, well, how? How are you able to see? Verse 19, you find the Pharisees with the man, and and they're condemning Jesus at the same time. If Jesus really was a a rabbi, he wouldn't be doing this because if he's healing on the Sabbath, he must be a sinner. But then they ask the man, how? How did this happen? And then later in verse 26, Uh, You find it again. How did this happen? So they ask the man, they ask his parents, and then they ask, the man gets asked again. Yes. How did this happen? And ultimately, why do you think it's three times they're asking the question? (laughs) The Lord works three times in a lot of things in Scripture, does he not? Yeah. And so there's there's an emphasis there as far as his intent to get this point across, of them, how many times does it take them to understand what happened? I mean, here it is. He says, this man touched my eye after making clay, and I went and washed like he told me to, and I was healed. He says it then again, very same way. And I love what he says the third time. Well, actually, they end up really doing it four because they asked the parents. <laughs> That's true. That's it's four true. times because they did ask the parents. And the parents, interestingly enough, says, you, you, we have to admit he is our son. And we will tell you he was blind at birth. But how he sees, he's old enough to you for him to tell you. You uh, ask him. And isn't that a sad testimony That's a to terrible be honest testimony. with you? Uh they're more concerned about keeping these leaders happy than even rejoicing in the fact that their son is able yes. to see now. And they, they in a way, throwing him under the bus may sound a little strong, but they don't want to be tied to their son if their son is now part of a controversy 
that may lead to excommunication, which ultimately is where well, we, they came out of the temple. We have to, uh, or the synagogue, at yes, least, synagogue, their synagogue. Yeah, yeah. But at least, you know, he's out begging. Mm-hmm. They do not have the wherewithal to support him, obviously. So he is out begging for food, begging for money. Uh, so that you say about the parents, uh, that he has to go out and do this. So they must have been very poor. Mm-hmm. So their, their ability to be in this particular synagogue must have been very important to them. But to the point of my son is now seeing... You think about your mother or my mother right now. If something had happened to one of us, sure. and my, I know my mother would have just gone ballistic. Yeah, you can see me. That's yeah, right. Me. I mean, yeah. this would not be sure. taken lightly or for granted, yet this is what we see in his parents. And maybe that's part of the blindness as well yes. through all this. Yes. Uh, there, there's a lot at play here. There's societal pressure that blinds us. Uh, there's, there's blindness that by, blinds us from our own ambitions that we become blind, uh, to what's really important around us. And, and even sometimes with family, uh, we can be blinded, uh, to truth. And, and ultimately the Lord is sharing a sermon. It's not so much just about the miracle as it is, like we've been saying, the message in the miracle and the message in the miracle is about Who's truly blind and who can truly see? But this young man or this man, really, I love his wit. His yes. I wit. Oh, yeah. Oh, so you keep asking me this. Right. I wanted to be a disciple you, you too. Know, <laughs> he keeps saying to them, wait a minute. You keep calling him a sinner. I don't know if he's a sinner or not, but I will say this. He healed me. He healed me. He healed me. You might read Another thing that he, they did here, who do you think he is? Now, he initially had said to them, he's a man. Sure. The man, Jesus. What was the second thing he said when they asked him, who is he? He said, a prophet. Now, he, him making that confession was probably teetering on him being in the synagogue well, because he at least... Like the woman at the well. That's right. He, she was he, looking for the prophet. He, he is at least... He's gone up. Yeah, he's gone up. He's gone up because I've been thinking about him healing me. He's got to be from God. Sure. So I don't know if he's the Christ or not. I don't. I may not be debating that, but I know he's got to be from God. So at least he's a prophet. And down here, he keeps saying, "You've asked me three times, if not four. I'm going to keep telling you, he healed me. He healed me. He healed me." And he keeps saying that. And I think as he keeps saying that, his faith is building even that much more. Every time he says it, the man healed me. I can see. I can see. I guess perfectly. I don't know what seeing means. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, <laughs> right. So this is seeing. That's right. Oh, so this you is know, how it works. You know, I don't know if it's hazy or not, but you seeing. You would think somebody would think. You know, in there a passage in Isaiah that the blind will see, yes. the lame will yes. walk. You know, uh, and that's what Jesus preached in yes. in Nazareth that first sermon from Isaiah chapter sixty one. Well. Everybody's been asking for a sign. Show us a sign. Show us a sign. Here's your sign. Yeah, this is not... The lame man had been lame for a while. This is a birth defect. Uh, Those who had an indwelling spirit, 
may not have been happened from birth. This happened, uh, they had been normal, then abnormal. This was an abnormal person from birth. The perfect one for him to show, again, that much more power over sickness. And like the, the man says, have you ever seen it? You show me a scripture that says that a man blind from birth could see again. And we're reminded about the people. If the Messiah does come, will he do more works than yes. this guy? Verse 32, if you'll notice verse 32 in John 9, the man says, if this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Well, you can see now he's gone from Jesus the man Jesus the prophet, now he's from God. Yes. And so here's what they say to him. You were born in utter sin. Now remember the, the disciples asked, asked was this man sinner from birth or was it his parents? They conclude you are born from birth as a sinner. You were born in sin and you're going to teach us. They cast him out. So now... What you find with this man, and to me, this is what's really powerful. If this man showed great faith by going to the pool of Siloam, which he did, he's now showing even greater faith by standing up for what he sees and what he knows. And now he's kicked out. So he was hoping to be returned to society, only to have society kick him out. You find now that the man's faith has elevated and he still doesn't know all about Jesus. He still doesn't understand exactly who he is. And this brings us to verse 35. Jesus heard about it. Boy, there you talk about the scuttlebutt going on in the yes. city. Yes. Jesus heard that they cast him out and Jesus sought him. Boy, that's, that's yes. a sermon. That'll preach yes. right there. Yes. Verse 35. And having found him, he said... Do you believe in the Son of Man? Do you believe? And he answered and said, Who is he, sir, that I may believe? You, if you'll help me out here, point yeah. him out to me. I'd yeah. love to find him. Yes. I, I want to find him. And then Jesus says these words. You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe. Sounds like a good title of the song, yes, isn't it? Does. Lord, I believe. And he worshiped. Now, there's something to me interesting about this, too. Anytime somebody comes face to face with the Lord, understanding full well who the Lord is, they can't help but fall down and worship. And so he falls before Jesus, praising Jesus. And then in verse 39, if there was any doubt, what is the message in the miracle? What is the sign pointing to? Here it is. Jesus says, for judgment, I came into the world. That those who do not see may see, and that those who see may become blind. So what's his point? He's taken a physical situation and made it into a spiritual application and has done it so well. Uh, taking a blind man who can now see mm -hmm. and... And so there are sinners out there in the world who, if they will listen to me, can see because I am the light of the world. And so if you see me that way, you are now unblinded. Now, it's the latter group that I grow so concerned about. That you think you see, yeah. 
you think you see, which then would have to be self-righteous individuals. Uh, the Pharisees just asked that question. You, are you saying that we're blind? Because we're the, we're the religious. We're the righteous people. You're saying that we're blind? And that's just what Jesus says to them. If you were blind, you would have no sin. But you say, we see, and your, your sin remains. Guilt remains. And, and your guilt remains. If you've not caught on to what John just did, first question again, remember what the disciples said, who sinned this man or his parents? Look how the whole story ends. Who's the real sinners? Who's the real sinners here? Not so much the man necessarily, although he will fall down and worship Jesus and acknowledge his humility. The real sinners are the leaders. Yes. The Pharisees and those who are not willing to humble themselves to open up their eyes to what is true. And we're all, I guess, guilty in some way and kind of looking at our clock here. We don't want to go too much longer. But I think we're all blinded in ways that we yes. got to be careful of. It is. And I am so surprised that you will have people today say, well, if the Lord would just come back and do a miracle in this country today, or in this world today, how many people would flock to him? Yeah. And then I point to John 9 and say, Really? Yeah. <laughs> really? Uh, how more, much more convincing would you have to be than taking a blind man that everybody will say was blind, and now he's seeing, and you will not acknowledge that miracle, that sign. Yeah. And so the New Testament Pharisee would not listen, would not believe. He had different reasons why he didn't, but... How many of these things would have to happen to you and me for us to just fall over ourselves to yeah. be believing in him? Yeah. But there's people in the world who don't believe today and they can read this. Yeah. You know, I've often wondered too, being kicked out of the synagogue was maybe a blessing oh, because yeah. too often we try to live in two different worlds. This man was kicked out of one. And so he was definitely open when Jesus found him. And there's something to be said of that. Remember, Jesus says, I'm in the world now, but I am the light of the world. I have overcome this world, we'll see in John 16. And, and the whole point of our Lord's willingness to come to this earth is not to make this earth a better place for us, but to lead us out of this earth, yes. to lead us to the place where he dwells eternally. You got anything you want to add in that? Just in yeah. verse 37, where mm -hmm. Jesus says, you have both seen him that's an interesting term yeah. that he just used there. And I am, not, <laughs> I am not necessarily thinking that you have seen him visually. visually. Yeah, I, think that, I think you have seen him. You've seen his works now. You see his actions. We sometimes will use that term. Oh, now I see sure. when something becomes obvious to us. When we have understanding. And yeah. so this is, I think this scene here, excuse the pun that the Lord used. It's a great one. That's a good point, Mark. I'll give you that one. That yeah. it, it wasn't that you saw me visually. You have seen my works. Now you understand. You have seen him. Yeah. And now he stands because before and you. he stands yeah. before you. That's good. You do see me because I'm the one talking to you. Yeah. Faith comes from hearing, yes. not seeing, yeah. and and that's where you see with this man's faith. So hopefully that's been some help to you. We appreciate you so much for spending your time with us. We're going to close just real quick with. Uh, encouragement to everybody to come be a part of our assemblies. Uh, we are meeting at the building, like we've said. Uh, we're meeting at 830 
And at uh, 11 o'clock, uh, oh, 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock, sorry. <laughs> oh, we've only been doing this a few months. I don't know what you're expecting. So 8.30 and 11 and, and uh, yeah, 10, 10, 10. Can I do it one Shall more we time? Do Can we do this one more time? There's four times the guy say, how are you doing? So four times I'll say 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock. So we would love to have you join us. Uh, we also are trying the live stream and uh, started it this past Sunday and going to try to keep that going. Uh, we'll have a taped visual or a taped virtual assembly uh, on backup, uh, ready to roll if we ever have problems with the live stream. But we would love, hopefully, if you feel comfortable coming to the building, we'd love to have you come join us for assembly on Sundays here at the building at 8.30 and 10. 10. Anything you got to add? No, I don't want to use any time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you all so much for joining us. God bless you. Good night.